on third and three. They send Hill in motion. Mahomes looks that way. Now will fire and hit his man at the 40. Oh, look out! Sammy Watkins takes it all the way. Explosion in Jacksonville. 68-yard touchdown. Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by 444.com. I'm Ryan Noonan, and joining me as always, fellow 444.com writer and a member of the Jerk Syndicate, the illustrious Jerk Syndicate, Connor Allen. What's going on, buddy? Not too much, man. That was quite quite the introduction there. I like the addition to the title. Um, it's, a, it's a big deal, Connor. Yeah, no, I mean, we rolled off some good teams. Um, the Raheem Mostert in the seventh round, I'm I'm pretty pumped about that. Um, I don't even like Raheem Mostert, but I think we were we were on top of that. You know, we knew that situation was going to happen where he was going to sign again. So it's it was a, a we, massive value. We hedged a little too. We have uh, Tevin Coleman on that other team as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, locking up the uh, Niners <laughs> well, of all teams. You know, it's going to be a Jeff Wilson season and, oh, uh, man. you know, Jeremy McKinnon, best shape of his life, ready to get it. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, those have been, those have been fun to do, but we're excited to uh, be back with you this week to unpack the AFC West, really one of the, um, top heavy, most interesting divisions, obviously having the best team in football, uh, returning Super Bowl champion, Kansas city chiefs in here. Um, it is going to be um, an interesting one. Looking at Vegas odds to make the playoffs here, the Chiefs are really the only team slated um, as far as the market is concerned to make the playoffs. But uh, there are different things happening along the way with the Chargers, Broncos, and Raiders. But, uh, yeah, give me your overview at the top before we dig in. Is this a, a one-playoff team division, or who do you think is on the cusp? Yeah, I think it might be. I think a lot of these teams might be a little overrated in the market. Um, but I mean, the Chiefs are rightfully the obvious favorite here at minus 390. And that's, um, for, for this odds, I took like the best odds, you know, so that some other books, they're even higher. Um, and I mean, barring a collapse from Patrick Mahomes, I'm just not really sure another team has a chance in this division. So we'll dive into each team and break it down a little bit more, but just right off the top, that's what I'm seeing. Yeah, unlikely we're going to see a Mahomes collapse either. Uh, just <laughs> absolutely incredible and uh, just a ton of fun to watch. Overview of the division, the Chiefs are massive favorites, minus 390 out there to win this division, which is a strong number to lay. But at the same time, man, like this team is is the class of the league. Chargers behind at plus 900. Uh, Broncos and Raiders coming in um, just behind that plus 1100 for the Broncos and 12 to one for the Raiders starting with the Chiefs Connor I mean obviously odds to go back to the Super Bowl make a ton of sense they're plus uh, basically three to one to win the AFC win total 11 and a half everywhere you can lay 850 on them to make the playoffs which is uh, (laughs) probably not the wisest investment for your money over the course of uh, three and a half months or so. But uh, yeah, 11 and a half seems like a massive, massive number because uh, it is. And I think you and I are kind of lockstep in general. I think after having done this for three years now, not very often are we touting an over for double digit win totals. Uh, I don't know that that's necessarily something that I would say is just a, a law, no matter what, that I'm not going to ever, uh, never touch it. But uh, it's a big number. I just don't see the Chiefs losing five games this year. Um, like them quite a bit here, and the schedule is pretty nice too. But talk to me about the Chiefs. Yeah, like you said, I mean, 10th easiest strength of schedule according to opposing win totals. And I think the case of the over is that each of the past two seasons, they've gone 12-4. and four, um, And that was kind of even with Mahomes being a little banged up last season. So, yeah, I guess... I mean, I would lean over, but like you said, I think we neither of us are super interested in taking the over in double-digit win total teams. Uh, and then at minus 850 to make the playoffs, I just think too much can go wrong. Uh, you know, for, so it's a, it's a better discussion for us, I think, than like for wagers. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, them, you know, the it it's not a obviously we would never bet them to make the playoffs at that number, but they're going to make the playoffs. Right? Yeah, but we just we, we know from a betting standpoint we would never lay that cash. They're gonna make the playoffs. Yeah, 
I mean, yeah, unless Mahomes tears an ACL week one, they're going to make playoffs. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I don't really think that there's a whole lot to talk about with them just because of how dominant they are. The odds reflect that. I mean, they're, what do we say? You know, plus 650 to win the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes is the MVP favorite on all rightfully so. I mean, the offense is stacked and the defense, you know, really came on last at the end of last season and uh, at least produced some pass rush and, and I thought, you know, improved. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess that there's really not too much to add here besides what everyone in America literally just saw. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm with you. Like, I'm looking at the schedule and – this is dangerous, not advisable. Obviously, like looking at wins and going through and projecting these games out. But I think we're just kind of the point is is the Chiefs are the outlier. That again, the the caveat for all of it would obviously be a Pat Mahomes injury. We're just gonna go for the sake of joy and pretending that it's not 2020 that we're gonna get a full Patrick Mahomes season, right? Like we, have to. we didn't get it last year. That was it was a sign of things to come that 2020 was gonna suck. A little bit of football was was robbed from us, but so they get they have three really tough games, all on the road, and all three of them are the second leg of back to back road games. Um, they play Baltimore on the road. Um, they play the Buccaneers on the road, and they play the Saints on the road. Those are really tough games. I can't find. Just assume, let's just say that those are three losses, which I'm not even comfortable saying. I can't find a fourth loss on the schedule for them. I mean, you know, you know, Broncos, Jets, Panthers, Raiders. Like that's a string in the middle of the season with a bye mixed in. Like <laughs> they got to go to play Oakland or sorry, Las Vegas, which that'll happen a couple times this podcast too. They got to play. Yeah the Raiders on the road, but that's, you know, after their bye, uh, which is, we know Andy Reid off of a bye is just historically amazing. There just aren't many L's here. They have to go to Buffalo in week six. They get New England at home. But I mean, this is just a, it's a crazy team. I would take, I would bet the over. I wouldn't bet them to make the playoffs at this number. I wouldn't bet them to win the division, but uh, over 11 and a half is, is something that I, I would do. Yeah. I can't even disagree with that looking at the schedule. Like the only other like maybe trap game, you know, in quotes sure. would be them on the road against the Bills in week six. Yeah. Um like because the Bills are just a really volatile team and they're on the road and you know it's like uh they're traveling east, so you know, so there's always some some uh type of body issues circadian circadian rhythm issues if they're playing a little bit earlier at noon um that they could get caught off guard but yeah i I don't really see i don't see much more beyond that like and that's like pushing it i think they would have to really drop the ball yeah like they would have to really drop the ball against another team here to lose but in this hypothetical we've we've already assumed that they lost all three of the other games which i'm not even you know can they not go into tampa bay and win? Can they not go into, uh, you know, the, the dome in New Orleans and win? Like they can do that. So. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think I think the over is probably the play here, but I don't know. Are you are you like are you going to actively bet that you think, or is this something that you just is like a hard lean? Yeah, so I haven't. I hard lean just off the top, looking at it obviously for a couple months, but I guess haven't you know, prepping for the pod, having to dig into it a little bit deeper and going through things. I'm like. You know, it, it just, I don't see, I don't see the, the fourth loss, assuming that there's even the, the third loss. They just, they're that damn good. I mean, sixth and past DVOA last year, you mentioned the pass rush. That was huge. They were a sieve against opposing, uh, opposing running games, but who cares? Like yeah, some good matter. teams are, it doesn't matter. They have such advantageous game scripts. It's really hard to punish them over and over again on the ground because you're behind by 14 points. Um, you know, the, the playoff game against Houston was a massive indicator of that. I mean, they were down massively and this still wasn't enough to overcome the offense for Kansas city when they are just flush and, you know, pedal to the metal, obviously the big news in the last 24 hours or so, as we record this, um, 
Damian Williams opting out for the season. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, dynamic rookie, uh, last pick of the first round out of LSU. Just all sorts of opportunity in this offense. And now without Damian Williams in his way, I mean, the books obviously responded by taking all of his props off the board. Um, how high are you on him as a prospect? Um, what do you think these numbers look like when we open up? And you know, what would get you to, to take some action on it? Yeah, it's tough. I don't really know what the the books are gonna think. I think that they might even come like come off too low. Like I know that his rushing yards before the injury was like 700 something, like 750 um, rushing yards, and then I'm not sure if there was a combined prop. But like at this point, we're looking at a guy who's gonna see almost all the early down work, and I mean a very very good chunk of the pass catching work. There's some like DeAndre Washington hype right now just because Patrick Mahomes and DeAndre Washington played together at Texas Tech. Who cares? Like they just picked a running back in the first round with their first round draft pick. Like Patrick Mahomes, yeah, maybe he likes DeAndre Washington as a as a guy, but like he's not <laughs> going to pick DeAndre Washington over the stud first round running back that they just drafted, you know, like to play I he's a better pass catcher than DeAndre Washington. He's just better at everything. Like, I don't really even know why it's a discussion. I think it's like almost, it's borderline disingenuous for people to actually suggest that DeAndre Washington is going to see like significant playing time. Um, and I think the only reasonable argument is that maybe if Clyde Edwards Hilaire like just can't pick up the offense, like that is the only scenario in which he doesn't play and just absolutely smash. I mean, his touchdown upside is massive. Um, and just as a player this year for, for props, like, I mean, what would the number have to be? If, like rushing yards, I mean, I think it'll be close to around a thousand, and I would still lean towards the over. Um, I think like rushing and receiving, probably like thirteen, fourteen hundred. Um, I mean, mostly I think it's lower. You think it's lower? Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm I'm on the over. I think that he's like a guy who's going to combine for like probably close to fifteen hundred total yards this year. Um, and I know it's uh, that's aggressive, but um, I'm not really even too scared to say that just because of how good Andy Reid is at scheming his running backs into space and using them in the pass catching game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I love this guy. I don't, I know that you're probably going to think I'm a little too high on him and most people will, but I mean, I've been very much in on Clyde Hilaire for a long time now. And um, this was definitely lucky for Damian Williams to opt out. And it was definitely not something that I planned on happening, but sometimes it is, better to be lucky than good and i'm fully willing to embrace that i don't even think you're too high i mean he is talented we know that running backs can be productive in this offense and be very average skill wise from a baseline standpoint this is not this guy he is above baseline as a runner he's above baseline as a pass catcher he's gonna get i mean obviously from a yardage prop standpoint it matters less but even if deandre washington is a thing it's probably the 35 part of a 65-35 split, and uh, Edwards Hilaire is getting all the goal line work. So for yeah. fantasy, he's he's definitely the guy. I just I'm with you. I think he is probably a part of the game plan, but I don't think it's worthwhile to speculate that it's going to impact uh, Edwards Hilaire. There just are very few situations nowadays where a guy doesn't have, you know. 20%, 15% that he gives up somewhere. It just, it happens. So yeah, uh, I, I think probably somewhere in the line of maybe a little north of what the books have out there on Eckler, maybe somewhere in like the mid 1200, mid 1300. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, I'm with you. Like, I feel like the receiving ceiling increases that quite a bit in a combined yardage prop. Um, I think he probably gets over a thousand as well. So I'm, I'm with you. Like, I think we both agree that Damian Williams is also more than just a guy, too. He is really talented. It's too bad they haven't believed in him to give him a chance. Like Once he kind of got out of Miami, even in Miami a little bit, he had times when he would get a little sprinkling in there. And He's not the first guy to, to be on the Dolphins and not used to his full potential, gets a taste of it elsewhere, and then performs. So, but it doesn't really matter anymore. Like Dame's gone, man. It is Edward Tolaire all day, and uh, I think... The ceiling is the roof, as uh, the great Michael <laughs> Jordan once said. It's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be very fun to watch. He's he's super talented. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm really interested actually. So, like from a prop betting perspective, in terms of a weekly game, like what are they gonna open up his props at? You know, in week one against Houston, 
um, because I think there's a chance that it might be too low at open. You know, like I think they might float his rushing yards at like, you know, in like the 50s or like a 60, you know, like low 60s on uh, like a combined prop, maybe at like 75 or 80, in which case, like, I mean, it's just too low for a guy who's going to be seeing so much work and the best offense in the league. Um, and yeah, I think that's so, a great that's a great point. I see it both ways. So at first I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, damn, that's I think that's spot on. Mm-hmm. But then of all weeks in the current climate, knowing that they don't have a ton of practice time and all those yeah, different things, that's true. For, for any week for him to be maybe eased in, yeah, would probably be early. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, no, that is that's fair. Interesting. Probably some. I mean, I don't know how much we want to lean on coach speak, but maybe we need to hear a little bit of what they are talking about beforehand. For sure. You know, maybe there's a, a small opportunity in a buying window to get in before that number goes north, but I could see it both ways. Like at first, I was like, damn, that's, I think that's super sharp. But then I'm like, well, wait a second. Yeah, you know? he's getting no practice time. That, no that practice is time. definitely an issue. I mean, I don't know. It's, I think that's kind of what I, I think the point is watch out for it, see what's set at, yeah. see how the, like how this progresses here, uh, like the off season or whatever little off season we have, I guess, left of, you know, training camp and, ramp up time uh and then we can reevaluate at that point but um for for Clyde Edwards Hilaire now I mean yeah I think like you I think you already hit most of the points here with his ceiling um any last points on Edwards Hilaire can we move on to some of the other guys here no I was talking Mahomes I think our projections at four for four are strong just a little bit south of 5,000 yards but again like we're talking about Pat Mahomes that is that projection is north of basically anything you can find out there in the prop market from a yardage standpoint. He is as low as basically 4,500 yards at FanDuel, and Foxbet has him at 4,574. He's plus 450 to lead the, the, lead the league in yards. And, yeah, I mean, how can you not like those overs? I know, you know, taking unders on props are typically the sharp way to go, but, again, I don't want to just sit here and speculate on Mahomes missing games. That's the only way I think he falls short of that. Yeah, I mean that's what, that's your only out here. And I mean, imagine taking an unders under on Patrick Mahomes, right? Like think about how sick of a human being you have to be to sweat an under on Patrick Mahomes yards. I think that that's just vile. But I I mean yeah, like I think especially the over here, like I would have if I was setting this line, I'd probably set it close to like forty six, forty seven, fifty, um, and that's kind of gives him like a game to miss. Last year, even though he didn't hit the over on this yardage, it was because he missed two games. He was on pace to hit the over, even though he was like injured. So like, if he had played a full 16 with the pace that he had, he would have hit the over. And then obviously he hit it the year before where he had like 5,000 yards. So yeah, I mean, he started two years. His pace is the over on both. If he plays 16, he's going to hit the over. Like, I think it's honestly kind of that simple. Yeah. Yeah. Other teams too, you'd be like, Hey, they're going to be winning so much. You know, mm-hmm. advantageous game script, second half. It just doesn't matter with yeah. the Chiefs and Andy Reid. Like, he can pile up 300 and a quarter. They're consistently um, – I think they led the league again last year in passing in game-neutral situations. Like, they just – they pass the football because they're sharp and they have the best player in football. And a dynamic group around him, too. So that moves us on to the pass catchers here. Tyreek and Travis Kelsey are available in the prop markets. Uh, we at four for four have both of them projected for 1,245 yards, which just like Mahomes, because uh, they obviously have a massive market share. Those are north of anything out there in the prop markets. Um, what are your thoughts on these two? Um, yeah, so I actually wrote up Tyreek Hill in our, um, you know, in one of my season-long player prop betting articles for four for four. I like the over here, and a lot of it is kind of tied down to something similar to Patrick Mahomes. Like, basically, will Tyreek Hill have a healthy season? Uh, since Patrick Mahomes became a starting quarterback, Hill has eclipsed 1,150 yards in both seasons, um, and he played 15 or more in both, uh, 15 or more games in both. He only had 860 yards last season, um, but I think there are a few important injuries to note. Like, week one, he suffered that shoulder injury. Didn't return to week six. And then after he returned, he balled out for five games, averaged like 105 yards a game. Then in week 11, he suffered a hamstring injury in the first quarter, which sidelined him for the rest of the game. Um, so, I mean, in the games following, he just didn't really look fully healthy. He was used as a decoy. Like there was multiple instances where he was like limping around on the field. I kind of, I remember seeing that. Um, and I mean, even if we include the half injured games in that, in our sample, like 
He played in 10 complete games. He had 844 receiving yards in those games. So it's a pace of like 1,300, 1,400 yards. Like that's, I mean, very easy for him to throw over here. It's really just if he'll be healthy. And, I mean, I'm willing to bet on him being healthy for 15 to 16 games in the season. Um, and because I think that there's enough comfortable cushion for a yards prop on a player that's explosive enough like Tyreek Hill um, where he could rack up 200 yards in one game and sit out another game or two and still be on pace to hit an over for this kind of prop. Yeah, these guys are both so damn good. Again, it just seems like you're betting on 16 games or not, and and that's really it. The the uh, upside for this offense is is a ton of fun. Defense, like I said, great against the uh, pass last year, sixth in defensive DVOA. They uh, did lose Kendall Fuller in free agency. Um, he went to Indy. Had some other turnovers on defense. They'll figure it out. There's enough still there. Yeah, just up uh chris jones you still have frank clark there as well uh, you know honey badger so there's enough players in the back end again their offense is going to make everything a little bit easier for them to to be able to get some pressure and, and that's the name of the game being able to get some of that pressure up front so they are uh they're a lock uh, i'd be really surprised if they are not at least in the afc championship game and uh, what happens there we'll see so moving on to the Chargers, Chargers uh, plus 163 to make the playoffs. Uh, win total at eight in a couple places, FanDuel and Fox bets, seven and a half at Sugar House and DraftKings. They are plus 900 to win this division and get them 25 to one to go to the Super Bowl, 50 to one to win the whole thing. This is, uh, this is an interesting team. I mean, I got new uniforms, new stadium, uh, a couple new quarterbacks, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's gonna be weird to not have Philip Rivers, you know, manning uh, the Chargers' offense. We have um, Tyrod back in action, reunited. He you know worked with Anthony Lynn in Buffalo for a while. They went out and added Justin Hebert. That's a French name, by the way. That's Justin Abair. When he goes to what? his next team after he like after he like stubs his toe here and doesn't work with the Chargers, Justin. he comes back. And becomes you know a second guy. That's that's Bobby A Bear. That's a French name. A Bear. Yeah. Come on. What? You don't even know it. Herbert. Know. It's like the oh most. My gosh. That is very very. Yeah, I don't know. Very American. Herbert. No, that's, that's A Bear. French and mispronounced. Like Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. A mispronounced you know, French name. That's that's Justin what we got going on here. A Bear. All right. Well, I'm not pronouncing it like that, but. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe in his next. <laughs> um, well, we can start there, I guess. I mean, so how many games do you think he plays? Oh, man, I don't know. I I could see him lasting on the bench the whole season. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just I think they seem – I don't think it's like coach talk with the Tyrod thing. I think they're okay with it. Uh, and if he's decent – you know, this is a team that, like, the rest of the roster is super talented. Like, consistently seems to underperform. Like, that they are that roster is way more talented than what we saw last year. Even some of the data, like, they were fourth in yards per drive offensively, um, seventh in drive success rate. But they were thirty first in turnover rate. The only thing you know, team was was basically Jameis in Tampa turning the ball over more last year. Defense had injuries, and they were a massive disappointment, uh, both stopping the run and the pass. But, like, the talent is still there. They just underperformed last year. Like, if Tyrod's decent, then, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's just you and I aren't necessarily bullish on Herbert. Um, but I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, so, I mean, I tweeted this out the other day, and I think that, you know, a lot of the community brought up a good point. So you go through the schedule. Uh, and I think week five is a massive turning point in the season for whether or not Herbert is playing or not, because week one, there's two games before week five where that are kind of like fringe games. It's on the road against the Bengals and at home against the Panthers. They need to win both those games with Tyrod for him to stay the starter. If they drop one of them, they're going to be one and four by week five because their schedule week one, they play on the road against the Bengals, which I think they lose personally. We've talked about this, you know, my week, yep. my, my six month old week one takes at this point. <laughs> um, 
And I don't even think I actually have bet that, which is kind of embarrassing. Oh, come on. No, I, I actually I think I have. I, one of you're one out of here my moving books. markets. You're not even taking advantage of one it. One of one of my one of my like price per heads or credit books where I actually didn't deposit anything. Um. So, um. Then they week two they play at home against Kansas City. I mean they're gonna get they're gonna lose. Week three they're at home against the Panthers. So like. They could win that. I think the Panthers are a little bit underrated and a little bit more of a volatile team, kind of like the Bengals. I mean, those are two like teams that look yeah. shitty on the schedule, but they're kind of scary. You know, those are teams that could come up, come up and bite you. And then mm-hmm. weeks four and five, on the road against the Bucks, on the road against the Saints. Oof. So you know, if they win both those games against the Bengals and Panthers, and they lose the other three, which they're going to lose the other three, um, two and three. I mean, maybe he's still the starter. I think that's like a 50-50 proposition. If they're one in four, I think no shot. Like I think that he's done. Um, okay. But if he is the starter through week five, then they have the Jets, the Dolphins, the Jags, the Raiders, by the Broncos. Like Herbert's Beautiful Herbert's stretch. not saving the see in the field in that stretch. You know, like there is the Chargers are a good enough team that they'll be able to win probably all of those games. Maybe they'll drop one, but they'll win enough to keep them on the field. So. Three or yeah, three or four. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So really, I mean, that's kind of. I think week five is the turning point for me, and I think that can decide a lot of their season. Um, and kind of see where it goes from there. I don't know. I don't know if you're on, you're on board with that, but um, also it depends on how he comes along. I mean, is there a chance that he starts week one against the Bengals? Probably not, but I mean, maybe. I don't think so. You don't think so? Yeah. yeah. I mean, no. Yeah, it's. I, I think that that's fair. I mean, there's just not enough practice time, probably. And he he was brought in to be a bridge QB, so. Yeah, it's a good point though. Like looking at the schedule, that is kind of a a tipping point that you can see a change. Probably makes sense. You get him a few games, or maybe even. Yeah, I mean that stretch leading into the buys is, is really nice for them. I can't see them. Because you see that at times, like you do it, maybe announce at the going into the bye, that coming out of the bye, he's going to be your starter. Yeah. But that stretch leading into the bye is really nice for Tyrod. There's an opportunity for him him to gain some steam. But, I mean, they uh, could be above 500 heading into the bye. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, really, they could they could be, you know, I mean, potentially five and four. That's not even like if they win those four games and win one of the Bengals and Panthers. Really, that's not even that ridiculous. So. Yeah, continuity in the coaching staff, which maybe that's part of the problem. But, um, you know, getting the uh, opportunity to play the in the division here isn't bad either. You know, being able to get, you know, obviously you got to play the Chiefs, but these are some winnable games against the Broncos and the Raiders, and that helps them too. Um, what are your thoughts on some of the props here? We have Keenan Allen uh, basically on the number for his projections. You know, Mike Williams – disappointed last year i guess but like i don't know touchdown variants probably come back to him. He had 10 the year before only at two last year i think he was second in the league behind aj brown in yards per reception which not super sticky stat obviously but you know he is a big play guy not necessarily playing with a big play quarterback last year either so it's not like tyrod who's not known for his deep balls like philip rivers not known for his deep ball the last handful of years either so I think Mike Williams is is interesting, and uh, Eckler too. I mean, these that Fox bet um, mixed yardage prop looks pretty enticing. Uh, what are your thoughts on the prop market for the Chargers? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if I can trust either of the pass catchers really. Like Keenan has been nothing but you know a beast uh, the past few years in terms of overall stats, but. I don't know. I, I think that a lot of that has to do with Phil Rivers actually being like a solid short to intermediate thrower um, and kind of being able to help keep them alive in a lot of instances. Um, and I thought sure. I thought that their you know skill sets meshed really well. So um, you know right now we're seeing an over under of 89 and a half receptions on Fox Bet, which for Tyrod seems really high. Um, but maybe I'm just down on Tyrod. I don't know. I just I'm just not really sure that. Tyrod is going to be able to feed Keenan as much as he's seen in years past, even though Keenan's a very good player. Um, our recept, our projections have him at 90 receptions for a thousand yards. So, I mean, a little bit of caution there, but yeah, I, I like the under on the, the, the over under 89 and a half receptions. Um, same with Mike Williams. I'm just not sure. Like seems like a talented guy, 
you know, has excelled in the deep ball, like you said, uh, with Philip Rivers not really being great at the deep ball either. But I don't really see a reason for optimism enough to take him the over here. So I'm kind of off that one as well. But yeah, like the the Eckler one, I think is really interesting. This is actually one of the biggest differences that I've seen in the prop market. Um, we're seeing 1199 and a half rushing receiving yards for Austin Eckler combined at Fox bet. And then we're seeing 1350 at sugar house. Um, I mean, that's a 150 yards is a lot of difference for there to be between books over the course of the season. But I'm interested in that, that 1200 mark here at Fox bet. Um, I think that, you know, with Melvin Gordon gone and his competition, just being Justin Jackson, and Austin Kelly, like, I think that that's too low, like probably 100, 200 yards off. And our, our projections agree with me. They have, they have us at, they have him at 1346. So, yeah, I mean, and I think, I mean, he's done nothing but good things with the opportunities he's had. So, yeah, like really, I mean, there's a chance that Eckler smashes and, you know, Justin Jackson sees basically no work, uh, which I think is definitely in the range of outcomes. There's definitely, you know, some range where he's, it's more of a committee, but, I mean, he's been really efficient with those touches too. Like when he has seen them, like he's, you know, house screen passes, like, and been very efficient in the receiving game. So I think that it's, I think that that 1199 mark is, you know, a touch too low. And I, I'm definitely, I definitely like the over there. Yeah, I like that too. That's really nice. And so you said the kind of matter of factly, and I, I hope you're correct that uh, Justin Jackson is next in line there's some industry buzz and people seem to be a little bullish on joshua kelly and him getting into that mix um you know I, but i think it's an interesting role to be able to identify because while i agree with you i think eckler has a ton of talent he's done nothing but deliver when given the opportunity but there's definitely going to be some work for someone else in that backfield and whether that should be you know, just rushing work or goal line work or anything like that. Like there's could be some value to that. Um, what are your thoughts there? Do you think it's Jackson? Do you think because Kelly is a rookie coming in, he's probably behind the eight ball. Um, what do you think about that? Am I, I've been able to get Jackson quite a bit in fantasy late yeah. thinking that there's a role for him and uh, have very little to know Kelly. And I'm hoping you're correct. Yeah. I mean, I think this is something actually I need to like go back and dig into like the when Melvin Gordon was out, you know, kind of, uh, like splits in terms of how much Jackson was used because off the top of my head, I don't really know. But um, I mean, I'm a little bit partial to Jackson because I think that he actually is kind of a little bit, bit of an underrated talent versus Kelly. Uh, but it's not like they sunk a ton of draft capital in Kelly. He was like a fourth round pick, if I remember correctly. Um, so, I mean, it's not like he's some amazing talent that they're really excited about. Uh, I mean, Justin Jackson knows the system. He's been able to play fairly well when he's gotten a chance. But I think that like how they use these guys and how they rotate these players in general is kind of totally up in the air. I do think that Justin Jackson will have the first chance to be in that number two role, but it's it's just more of whether they use him and Kelly in like a one B to Eckler's one A, or if it's like a clear number two, clear number three. I kind of lean more towards that um, with the upside of if they don't really like either guy a ton, and that you know they're just taking taking out the scraps you know from the from the workload share and Eckler's just dominating touches in which case like he could explode even in an offense that's probably not going to be as good with Tyrod so um yeah I don't know I, I think it wasn't a super definitive take there I know but I would probably lean Jackson at the start and kind of see how Kelly progresses yeah that's when I'm, I'm with you too I'm backing you I got the Austin Eckler Melvin Gordon splits last year for you. Um, four games that Gordon missed. Eckler averaged 14 rush attempts per game. Um, with the 12 games Melvin was around, 6.33 rushing attempts. Um, targets, though, up but just by a hair. Uh, basically up by you know two-thirds of a target. Uh, basically seven targets a game with him in. Uh, a little over six with him out. So... You know, 14 carries isn't a ton with him out. He just, he was super efficient. Yeah. Though. Um, basically, it was 20 touches, you know, a game. He was getting six receptions on average and 14 uh, rush attempts. But, you know, obviously dynamic with them. You know, it was good enough for 27 DraftKings points per game. 
which is uh, yeah, which is pretty nice. That's yeah, hefty. Pretty, yeah, he's pretty awesome. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. They did uh, bring over for the defensive side of the football. Obviously, re-upped Bosa the other day. You know, they have some stuff on on that side of the football. I brought Chris Harris over from Denver, which is which is huge. But they disappointed. They haven't been able to stay healthy. I think that's going to be a massive piece for them this year because they need that in this division. You have to be able to to compete on defense because you know they're going to lose shootouts to Kansas City. So, um, any thoughts on the over here? Basically, seven and a half most spots. Hmm. You know, I think I think that's tough. It's we you know I think we we broke down a good a good chunk of it here, but yeah, I don't I don't know. I think it's probably probably stay up stay away from me. Yeah, stay away from me too. Like I don't think they made the playoffs. Uh, it's plus one sixty three. Like, I would. It's too I short, right? That. Like that's yeah yeah. Oh, I think I think it is worth noting though. So like I did take a little bit of action at under eight and a half. Um, like I don't know three, four months ago. It's kind of tough keeping track of some of that early action that I put in just because like the lines are way, way different. Uh, and I like that. I mean, the odds of them winning nine games is, you know, I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, but seven and a half, we did that super early, huh? Yeah. Like a long time ago. And I mean, it's a good team on paper, but I don't know, like kind of like you said, I think with Tyrod or Herbert or QB, like them winning nine games seems like a real slim chance. I see, I see them more as like a seven, seven to nine, eight and eight kind of team. Yeah. Like you said, the front of the schedule is really slippery. And if that goes wrong, like they very much could be in trouble. Yeah. That would make you feel probably pretty good about under eight and a half. So, uh, and you think about some of the other divisions, I know we did the AFC East and that's not a juggernaut, but like, I mean, the AFC North could have three playoff teams. Wow. Like there's, uh, you know, we'll get there, but I, uh, obviously I think the, Steelers and Browns a lot more than what we saw from them last year, and I don't think the Ravens are going anywhere either. So it's just hard to find uh, find another spot for them there. So let's move on to the Broncos. Broncos uh, right behind, plus one eighty to make the playoffs. Seven and a half win total everywhere. You can get them to win this division at uh, Fanduel eleven to one. Represent the AFC in the Super Bowl at thirty to one, and win the whole thing at sixty to one. Man. Um, a lot riding on Drew Locke's shoulders here. We know it was a nice 4-1 stretch to end the year. They kind of went all in on surrounding him with talent in the offseason. Some interesting, buzzworthy stuff when you think about some of the talent on that side of the football last year. Whether or not you think Melvin Gordon is good at football or not, it's kind of irrelevant. He's, he's better than Royce Freeman probably, and he, that's who he's going to be sharing, you know, basically taking over for and sharing with Philip Lindsay. Obviously, Jerry Judy, probably one of the most dynamic receiving talents to come out in quite a while, uh, adding some speed with K.J. Hamler. A couple of really good draft day trades to add on the defensive side of the football with A.J. Boye and Jarrell Casey. They did have some losses. We mentioned Chris Harris already. Going to the Chargers, Derek Wolf left as well, went to the Ravens. But um, I thought that was pretty smart, them leveraging basically a fourth and a seventh round pick for two really solid defensive players. What are your thoughts? This is your team. I know you're not a big Drew Locke stand, but um, are you bullish on them having any shot to make the playoffs at plus 180? No, I, I think these these like make playoff bets are just really short. I know that they expanded the playoffs, but like they are plus short. 180. Like I don't know. I just don't think that the odds really like line up. You know, like so. Okay, so this team has plus 180 odds to make the playoffs, but you're telling me they're a 30 to one chance to win the AFC. Like if they make the playoffs, I mean. They're way better than 30 to one. You know, I know that those odds will adjust, but that's kind of my point. Like, you know, I, I just don't really, I don't really see that, um, see the connection there. Um, and so, I mean, they're the fifth hardest strength of schedule, which is not going to help either, but they are just all in on Drew Locke and I'm not. I just don't, I don't know. I mean, he's like, he looked good in times last year and he obviously had a great stretch at the end of the season, but like, I mean, the, the defenses that he's playing against, like, they weren't all great. Um, he, and he had, like, just threw up a real stinker against Kansas City um, in week 15, like, completed 45% of his passes with a pick. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's just, like, he has all the weapons. Like, the issue is is that there's a lot of expectation, too. Like, with all these weapons, if he fails, like, you know, he – 
it's not over, but it kind of is, you know, like they're kind of the Broncos are back where they were with a solid to, you know, maybe good defense, uh, depending on how they perform this year with a lot of interesting players, but no quarterback. And that's kind of been the biggest issue of the LA era, you know, outside of Peyton Manning. So I'm not really sure. I think that they're going to be playing in a ton of close games. Um, like that's kind of what it's going to come down to is can they pull through in close games? So how, how that goes, I'm not really sure with that, that win total and everything. I'm kind of staying away. I don't really have a strong take on them uh, either direction. If it was a quarterback that I believed in, I would be very excited about this team. And I think that it's, it is really going to come down to pretty much just Drew Locke and how he performs, I think. Yeah, I think maybe one of the Chargers or the Broncos could – you know, get to eight wins and that probably gets you to the playoffs, but I don't feel really good about it. Like you said, you were playing the AFC East and the NFC South, like, you know, the AFC South, like those, they could lose all four of those games. You know, we talked about the, you know, the, maybe the Falcons and the Panthers aren't great football teams, but they both have pretty damn exciting offenses and they catch you on the wrong day. If the defenses are underperforming, like the Chargers did last year, Broncos, solid middle of the road basically against both the run and the pass last year obviously missing Bradley Chubb quite a bit and you know we talked about some of the changes they made but basically some good things came in some good things went out they need to really perform defensively for this team to to hang around um I really want to talk about Cortland Sutton here um (laughs) friend of the show Joe Pano find someone that loves you as much as Joe Pano loves Cortland Sutton um (laughs) I think our four for four projections are going to hurt Joe's feelings, though. They are under the market uh, based on the props out there. His uh, projection of four for four is just shy of a thousand yards, nine hundred and ninety-one. You can get him on DraftKings at a thousand and fifty-one yards. Um, all the talent in the world is fantastic in real life football. Um, I don't love him on the over here. I don't love him for fantasy this year. I could very well be wrong because he is, like I said, I, he's really, really good. I just think it's a team that wants to run the football and get a good performance out of their defense. And the talent around him is definitely far superior than it was last year. And I think it just waters down his target total a little bit. But, you know, he can go out and catch 10 touchdowns. But what do you think about Sutton and his prop market? Yeah, I think I think that's really important is that they want to run the ball and they added, you know, first round pick Jerry Judy and they have an ascending tight end to Noah Fant. And that's a lot of different, you know, weapons to have in an offense that's going to be probably focused on the run um, mostly. So, you know, like if you're expecting Sutton to really have a good season, I think that you need him to either be like uber efficient, which is possible with Jerry Judy probably taking away some attention or for Drew Locke to really be outstanding. So I'm not, I'm not really confident in either. I mean, betting on, you know, outlier efficiency is not something I like to do. And betting on a quarterback who showed out against, you know, in like a five game sample against some suspect defenses is not something I like to do either. So for me, I think that our projection of 991 is pretty fair. I mean, the, Totals are at 1,050 on DK, 1,074 on Fox bet if you like the under. Um, I probably lean that way. But, again, I think he's just such a volatile player that, I mean, maybe I'm wrong about Drew Locke. And if I am wrong about Drew Locke, then, you know, Sutton could ball. And that's, you know, definitely definitely could make the difference there. Um, but we also have a few other props here. Drew Locke's prop is pretty stagnant at uh, 3,400. At Fox Bet is the low, 34.50 at DraftKings is the high. We even projected for a little bit more at 37, 39 uh, passing yards on the season. I do think that's fair just because of all the weapons that he has. I mean, it's not really asking a lot for him to throw for more than 3,500 yards in a season, even with a run-focused um, offense. Uh, I mean, 3,500 is not a whole lot. But with, I mean, Jerry Judy is just really going to be kind of the turning point, I think, in terms of like how he progresses, because if he's able to contribute right away and be like that day one difference maker, like I think that we all thought of him as a prospect, then this offense, like this, the passing of the offense could really be awesome. But again, that goes back to Drew Locke and whether or not he can sustain him. So 
I think that there's a lot of different moving pieces here and it's, it's really difficult for me to kind of like break down the passing game because a lot of it hinges on lock. And as you know, I'm not super bullish on him. Yeah. Rightfully. So how about Melvin Gordon? Um, I think he actually could help raise the floor of lock too. He's again, another really good pass catching back. And we seem to be pretty bullish on him at four for four projection combined rushing and receiving is just shy of 1200 yards which is about two or 150 yards more than we're seeing in the prop markets. Are you, are you thinking that that lines up with what you're thinking? I mean, they sign them, they want to use them. So yeah, yeah, no, I mean, okay. So Gra- I was talking to Graham Barfield about this, basically like him and um, you know, the crew over at fantasy points believes that, you know, Melvin Gordon's going to be their primary back and they signed him to be their primary back. So he's you know not going to be necessarily a bell cow, but he's going to see, you know, a majority of the work and, I don't know. I kind of think that this prop here is so his rushing prop is at 774 rushing yards everywhere. I think that's really low. Like I think this should be like 900, 950 yards. I mean, if you average out of 774 across 16 games, it's like 48 yards per game. Like when you look at it from that standpoint, like I peg him more in like the 65-ish range. I mean, like 48 is nothing. I mean, that almost implies like a 50-50 split with Lindsay, in my opinion, because they're going to be trying to rush for, you know, like 80 plus yards a game. And I think that's pretty fair, um, pretty fair projection for them. Like that's definitely on the low end is what I would say. So, I mean, 48 yards per game, I thought was just like, you know, really, really low. Um, I like, I do like the over there for sure. And that's something that I'm interested in. Uh, I don't like running back overs normally, but kind of given the information that we have, which is I think that they will use them a little bit more than the market suggesting, and um, like this is just a, a low line. I, I don't I don't think it really takes all that much to get to 775 yards uh, this season for for Gordon, even with Lindsey there. It's a good point. It's it's a little low. They were actually so we know that Garrett Bowles has his issues in pass protection, but they were really good run uh, blocking offensive line last year they had the third lowest stuff rate in the league and they were um top eight in power rank so just basically getting that initial push off the line some of the other stuff the secondary stuff second level open field yards that's somewhat running back related in their ability to to create but um yeah I, i think it's a little too low i think graham's probably right like i don't i don't love melvin gordon here but like he this prop is too low. I think probably our projections even a little bit low, and because like you're saying like sixty what sixty two or in ch- change or so is yeah. going to get you to a thousand yards. So yeah, um, I, you know I, I think that they want to be conservative with Drew Locke. I kind of like his combined rushing and receiving more because I think leveraging Gordon in the passing game makes a lot of sense too, just to get some of those easy completions on early downs to Gordon and help move the chains a little bit. So. Yeah, um, I like that quite a bit. I think that's a, a good call. Uh, how about Fant? I mean, again, amazing talent, very similar to, to Sutton. Uh, he just had a couple of big plays late in the season that I think bolstered his overall overall numbers. But you know, the talent is there for sure. What do you think about him? Yeah, he's he's another guy. We talked about this on the previous podcast. He's a guy that I'm more interested in taking in fantasy than in a binary prop market because he's really volatile. He's a guy that like. The, the upside is massive, but the floor is really low. And so he's not a guy that I want to bet on for consistency, consistency. And that's what we need here for someone to hit the over on a prop market. Even though, I mean, 625 yards is like nothing. He could easily like, you know, one and a half times this or, you know, potentially go over a thousand yards in the season if he really has a good year. But like, you know, he could also put up like 400, 500 yards, which is actually what we have him projected for 542 yards. So. Um, and I mean, a lot of, like we said with the pass catchers here, a lot of the ties back to drew lock, how his performance is, how many pass catchers he's reasonably able to sustain. So the talent is there. I think I'm just more interested in approaching exposure from him in other markets. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, last team here, the Las Vegas Raiders, um, they are plus two. 275 to make the playoffs win total uh seven at DraftKings and sugar house seven and a half elsewhere they are 12 to 1 to win the division 40 to 1 to go to the super bowl and 80 to 1 to win it um this i think was probably one of the worst seven and nine teams 
in quite a while. Um, they had a negative 106 point differential uh, last year, <laughs> the fifth worst in the league. Um, I did some work on this over at uh, FTN, looking at like a, basically a Pythagorean win expected win rate for a team with a negative 106 point differential is like 4.7 or 4.8 or something like that. So um, basically, if you think that they're going over seven and a half wins, you're telling me that the 2020 iteration of this team is nearly three wins better than the 2019 club. And uh, yeah, I don't think that that's really the case at all. Um, They continue to have like a ton of early picks and I'm not sure that they capitalize on them in the right way per se, but uh, yeah. What do you think about the Raiders? They have any shot here? Uh, No. Um, So I think that this is another team that we have to go through the schedule with because it is tough to find wins here. I mean, so they have the so by far. Sorry to interrupt you. By far, weeks one through eleven, it's significantly harder than any other schedule in the league. Oh god! I think the Falcons are the hardest over the course of the entire season. But if you just break it down, weeks one to eleven, it is just absolutely brutal. Saints, Bucks, yeah, Bills, Chiefs twice, um, road games in New England and Cleveland. Yeah. Really, really, really tough schedule. I mean, yeah, and their bye is week six, right? And in the, the first five weeks, the only game that I really think is winnable is on the road against the Panthers in week one. And even that, like, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think right now, what are they trading at? Like one and a half points, one point? Like, I think it's it's close. Um, yeah. And, yeah, then you have Saints, Pats, Bills, Chiefs, bye. Like, well, they're, I mean, one in four at best. And then you're looking at Bucks, uh, Browns, Chargers, Broncos, Chiefs in the first 11 weeks. I, I mean, what do they win? Two games, three games at most in that stretch? Um, I mean, they're out of the playoffs for sure at that point. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, it is, it is tough finding a case for the Chargers here or for the the Raiders here. And I think that this kind of leads into my player projections with like guys like Derek Carr. How long do we see a Derek Carr for? With them bringing in Marcus Mariota, um, I mean, the prop market on Derek Carr is 3,300 low, passing yards 3,500 high. I would love to take the over here if I thought that Derek Carr was going to play. Um, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure that he, I'm not sure he makes it through like week eight. I think that's baked into the number. Like I'm with you. Yeah. It's not it's uh it's not enticing for sure. I mean they went out and they added a ton of talent. Um at least more than they had last year, some of the Broncos. You know, Henry Ruggs definitely adds a different element. But uh yeah, I mean the Marcus Mariota thing I think is is a real threat based on how Derek Carr's played the last couple of seasons. So and what we know Gruden demands from his quarterback. I don't think he loves that uh you know, the way that they play. They were somewhat surprisingly efficient last year at times offensively, which is really weird. That's kind of what helped them. You know, six in the yards per drive, which I thought was really surprising. Um, they moved the ball, you know, 19th in points of drive, 14th in drive success rate, which is, again, better than I would have thought off the top of my head. But, uh, you know, really good early season stuff from Darren Waller helped a lot. Josh Jacobs really emerged in the second half. You know, we have some props on those guys. Is there anyone here that jumps out as, as somewhat of a value to you anywhere? Not really. I mean, so I think, you know, Ruggs, I think, has that has the chance to be the most productive rookie wideout, um, like, as their number one option. But I think there's also a chance where he runs a lot of deep decoy routes just because of his speed, and that's kind of what Gruden pegs him as and, like, doesn't, you know, unleash his full potential. And I'm not saying that he's that type of player, in my opinion. I'm saying that the coaches could view him as that type of player and try and have him open up space for Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro underneath. And I think that could be part of, you know, just kind of how, how their offense functions. And, I mean, that's obviously, like, I'm saying that's more of, like, a floor for him, but I think it's within the range of outcomes. Um, so it's a little scary to take a prop market bet on him. Um, Darren Waller w- is tough because 
like we have projected for more. We projected for 973 yards compared to his 900 and a half prop market or his market. But like Renfro went healthy, ate into his production a bit last year. Um, and Ruggs coming in could see a few more targets. I don't know. I like Waller as a talent. I think that he fits well with their car. Just not sure that I'm willing to bet on the cons- consistency for him. I actually don't have that much exposure to Darren Waller, like really at his ADP either for fantasy. Um, Zero. yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. Are, are you on board with that too? With like the, the Renfro rugs and like kind of additions there or. Uh, and we don't want to say it, but I mean, they also have like Foster Moreau, like ate into his production a True. little bit last yeah. year, at least annoying. Mm-hmm. And then they bring in the ghost of Jason Winton, which, yeah, you know, I'm, I don't, obviously we're not comparing talents. That's not what the question is, but they don't help Waller. No. Who, who I agree. Like he was massive last year, but like, I think our projection is way too high on him. Yeah. I have zero in fantasy at cost and will continue to have zero. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, so then the last one they offered to the Raiders is Josh Jacobs. Um, lowest is 1100 on DraftKings. The highest is 1220 on Fox bet. But I think that kind of everything we talked about here leads to them probably being in a lot of negative game script. Um, and they re-signed Jalen Richard to be their pass catching guy. Like Josh Jacobs is not used a bunch on the field when they're in those negative game script scenarios because they're bringing in Richard to be their pass catching back. So as much as I think that 1100 is kind of a little low for a guy who's, you know, a good talent going to see a lot of the early down work on a team that wants to run the ball. Are they going to be in enough situations where they're going to be able to run the ball? And I think that's the question that for me gets me off of this prop and potentially makes me consider the under at 1220 yards uh, in addition to all the other outs you get for a running back, which is workload concerns, which for Josh Jacobs, I mean, I think before this last year, he never had more than like 180 touches in high school or college season ever. Uh, and then this year he had, or last year he had like a messed up shoulder for half the season and he was still good. Don't get me wrong. He still played well, but uh, I mean, I was, I've been down on Jacobs since he entered, you know, the league and, and mostly because of this, because I'm just not sure that, he can hold up, you know, like he's never been used as a workhorse and like the toll on your body. I mean, it's going to, it's going to add up. And it did last year. Like he was already playing hurt for half the season and his rookie year. Yeah. And they made, like you said, every, at every opportunity, they went out to make sure that they lighten the workload by basically hemorrhaging any upside from a receiving standpoint with, you know, Lynn Bowden in the draft and, and Jalen Richard. Like I think he could probably do it, I, I think the workload piece is interesting. Like, can he handle the workload? That's a different question than is he talented enough to be efficient in the passing game? I think B is correct and A is kind of a question mark. So that hurts him in, in fantasy too. And yeah, I mean, we look at the game scripts. We kind of mapped out the schedule. It's going to be a tough, tough first couple months there and not a real clear path to neutral game scripts or positive game scripts. So yeah, I'm a hard pass. Um, I bet the Raiders under. And, uh, yeah, they're one of the only few that I, I jumped on because I just I don't see it. Uh, I think the point differential thing last year made a lot of sense. Defense still has lots of question marks in the secondary and uh, really all over the place. I think it's a decent offensive line, but, like, again, that's that's not going to be enough to, to carry them. So I'm a hard pass on the Raiders. Yeah. No, I, I, t- I totally agree. I think all of the, all of these are, you know, not great. Yeah. So we could have saved like an hour, but basically what we started with was Chiefs are going to the playoffs, probably going to the Super Bowl, uh, at minimum going to the AFC Championship game, and then it's going to be pretty hard for any of these other teams to make the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty much it. Like, I don't know. I mean, did, did breaking this down give you any other – other thoughts on the division? No, it just made me excited to think about Thursday night football, week one, football being back in our lives, whatever that looks like from a, you know, empty stadium standpoint, or maybe hopefully even in some sort of bubble in the middle of Montana. Like, I don't care what it looks like, but getting Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson on Thursday night football to start the season is pretty enticing. So, oh man, I'm so excited. I, I can't wait. I can't wait. I mean, think of like tonight's exciting too from the NBA's like back. It's just like 
football like football's going to be back that's a that's potentially happening sooner than later and that's going to be it's going to be awesome so we're getting there we're we're trying to stay hopeful and uh yeah this damn chiefs team i i, I just are they going to the super bowl i guess it's kind of our conversation to wrap it up um are they going back nope the ravens are winning it all Ooh, okay there you go it's my my right. not too early not not anymore it's not too early ravens are winning the super bowl all right. Chiefs at least making the AFC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not not going to yeah. deny him past that. Should name that the uh, Patriots Invitational. <laughs> Basically hosted that game for two decades. But uh, all right, that wraps up the AFC West. Uh, don't forget to find Connor on Twitter at Connor Allen NFL. Find the show at Move the Line NFL. I'm there as well at Ryan Noonan. We will be back next week. Uh, I think we're going to do a live stream. I think we're going to have a guest. So we're going to do the podcast form as normal, but we'll also probably do that on the 444 Twitch stream. Look for us to tweet the information out. I'll be on YouTube as well. So be on the lookout. Connor and I will be back next week. Thanks, everyone.